I, I want to go ahead and dive in. So if you guys your message notes, go ahead and grab those. And uh, we're going to continue this series today. We've, we've been walking through this idea of breaking free over the last couple of weeks. And, and we talked last week. I, f- I feel like last week was such a foundational message for this idea of freedom and, and, and how our thoughts are so powerful and how our life moves in the direction of our strongest thoughts. And today I want to just take this one step further. And the next week we're going to celebrate six years as a church. It's going to be just an incredible day. I pray you join us. But uh, this morning, I want, I want to just spend a few minutes on this idea, breaking free, freedom from addiction, freedom from addiction. And I'm just going to invite you for a few minutes because I know that's a heavy word. And when you hear addiction, you're like, man, it's only 930 on Sunday morning. You know, I mean, come on, I had a, I had a rough night last night, I had a rough week this week. Can we, can we just talk about joy in Jesus? You know, I, but I really feel that this message is, is one that we need, is going to connect with us. And, and so I'm just going to invite us today to, to be real for a few minutes, okay? I, I know that sometimes we, we come in, we got our Sunday best on, we got the smiles on, you know, all hell was breaking loose in the car on your way here, but you look like, you know, everything's perfect right now. And, and sometimes we do that on Sunday morning. And, t- and today I want to just want to invite us because I think if we're, if we're being honest, this is a conversation that that hits real close to us. And maybe it doesn't affect you personally right now in the season you're in, but maybe at some point it has, or, or somebody that's, that's near and dear to your heart. And so today I'm just gonna invite us to, to take the mask off. You know, we do this so often. I, we, we cover up, and, and when I think about covering up, it, re, it reminds me of a couple of years ago, we, our boys were, were a little younger at the time, and we decided that, that we were ready to, to have a pet. But we just didn't want to take the responsibility too seriously. So we, we figured we start out small. We figured that, that this would be a good step for us. So, so we got a little goldfish, everybody. And, uh, you know, we, we thought, man, we can, keep a, we can keep a fish alive. We'll kind of move on to cats and dogs or what, you know, what, not cats, dogs. Uh, and uh, so we got this fish. The boys loved it. We had it out on a, in our kitchen countertop, named it Pluto. Just a little, you know, we didn't go crazy with the big fish tank. We just got a little fish bowl, right? And, you know, the boys started to help with, with the feeding, and, and we'd take care of it. But, but Jen was responsible. She, she was the one that helped clean the tank. And one day she had taken the boys to school, come back home, and uh, was cleaning out the fish tank and the fish bowl, I should say. And, and as she uh, was dumping the water from the fish bowl into the sink, uh, Pluto decided that he was ready to take a little leap. And, and so, unfortunately, on that day, the, uh, the, not only the water get emptied from the fishbowl, but Pluto got emptied from the fishbowl. And uh, he, he decided he was going to relocate his home somewhere into the sewer system. And Jen, freaking out, not knowing what to do, how is she going to explain to the boys that she killed their first pet, their fish, Pluto? She, she ran to the same place that she got Pluto and she got Pluto number two. That's right. She brought it home and, and the boys have never known that the fish died. They just know they came home that afternoon and there was a fish that looked almost exactly like Pluto. And I think so often in our lives, when it comes to addiction, when it comes, when it comes to our brokenness and our issues, 
instead of dealing with them and being real about them, we just cover it up. We try to make it look as okay as possible and feel like if we'll just kind of tuck it in the corner and, and not deal with it, that eventually it's just going to be okay. And that's just an unhealthy way to deal. I feel like God has something better for us. It's only ask the question, do you know someone whose life has been wrecked by addiction? Do you know somebody whose life, anybody in the room, you know somebody whose life has, has been wrecked by addiction? Now, I'm not going to ask you to raise your hand this morning, but how many of you are one of those people? I, the reason I don't want you to raise your hand is because some of we have that addiction of lying, and I, I don't want to, you, you to get no. Some of us today, we, we are that person. And here's the deal. This addiction is something that's so easy to recognize in other people. I mean, we're great at that, aren't we? Everybody else, we, we recognize everybody else's mess-ups. You know, our neighbors are weird. Our in-laws are controlling. Everybody else is a terrible driver. We have it all right. Sometimes it's so hard to recognize this in, in our own lives. And I think sometimes when we think about addiction, you know, obviously we, we, we go to the, the things that, you know, like sex addicts, alcoholics, gambling addiction. And, and pastors are the worst at this. Let me just go ahead and confess. Like pastors, we're great at preaching about all the things that people do wrong. And then we just go eat ourselves into a coma, right? Pastors were some of the most unhealthy people. And I just want to be real, like, I think caffeine is one of the biggest issues we deal with. Sugar is one of the, we don't even have to go to the extreme stuff. There's so many addictions that are plaguing our lives. And here, here's addiction. If, if you're looking on the screen, it's not in your notes, but addiction is this. It's anything that I do that I don't want to do but I won't stop doing. It's anything that I do that I don't want to do, but I won't stop doing. And we could go on and on, but I want to look at God's word this morning and then I want to learn from it. Romans chapter seven, verse 21, it says this. So I find this law at work, Paul says, when I want to do good, evil is right there with me. For in my inner being, I delight in God's law, but I see another law at work in the members of my body. So he's saying this, I know what I'm supposed to do and I know what God has called me to do, but I still struggle to do it. He, he, he says, I see another law at work in the members of my body, waging war against the law of my mind and, and making me a prisoner of the law of sin at work within my members. He says this, what a wretched man I am. He recognizes this tension in his own life. And there's the, that's the tension for us this morning is we know what God has called us to do and we know what freedom is supposed to be, yet we still struggle with, with, with addictions and issues and over and over in our life. And, and, and it creates oftentimes hopelessness and, and helplessness. And here's the deal, everybody. The issue is not having the thing. It's not, it's not having money. It's not having social media. It's not having... Uh, stuff, houses and nice things or having a drink or having good food. The, the problem is not having the thing. The problem is when the thing has us. Do you hear me this morning? You're real quiet at 930. The, the problem is not having the thing. The problem is when the thing has us. And what what addictions trap, what the enemies trap in our life is not for us to enjoy stuff. It's for stuff to get control of our heart, stuff to get control of our life. And I want to offer us four truths about addiction that maybe will help us see it in a new light. I want to share a testimony with you about a guy in our church who's 
receive freedom. And then I want to give you three real quick take-homes that can help us live this out. Number one truth about addiction is this, is that it doesn't matter what it is, the most extreme thing, the most uh, small thing, every addictive substance, it offers pleasure, if you're taking notes, it offers pleasure that leads to pain. It offers pleasure that leads to pain. And one of the greatest steps toward freedom over any addictive substance or habit in our life is to recognize that it is a trap. It's a con. It's a fake. It, it, it's, it's not the, the pleasure. Understand this, everybody. The pleasure in your life that's causing addiction in your life is really not the addiction. It's what I believe about that pleasure that creates addiction. Hear me this morning. This is so powerful. It's not, it's not drinking alcohol that's addicting. It's what I believe about drinking alcohol that's addicting. It's not, it's not eating sweets that's addicting. Wes, you're preaching to yourself right now. Okay. Yeah, I get it. It's not eating sweets that's addicting. It's what I believe about eating sweets that I'm going to feel more comfort on the other side. Do you hear me this morning? It's understanding this, that that all addiction has the same root. It offers pleasure that leads to pain. It's not the pleasure that's addicting. It's what I believe about the pleasure. Second thing is this, is when I quit and fail, I feel hopeless. I feel hopeless. And oftentimes, depression and anxiety in our life is, is actually an innate reminder letting us know that the thing that you keep trying to do to fill your life, fill the void in your life, is not working. And we keep going back to that same thing. And oftentimes, and, and maybe you're there spiritually because maybe you've, you've tried a relationship with God or you tried biblical principles and you did them for a season, but, but you fell back into it. And oftentimes it just leads to hopelessness in our life. The third thing is this, is that any threat to my addiction is a threat to me. And this is one of the biggest warning signs that oftentimes I'm dealing with addiction in my life is I don't want anybody to tell me about it. All right, I'm going to fix it on my own. I'm going to deal with it on my own. And when it's the right time, I'm going to get free. Let me tell you, that is the biggest lie from the enemy. Defensiveness is one of the biggest reminders that you're addicted. That, that, you, that, you, that you have a problem, that you have an issue. It's, it's one of the lies that the enemy uses to keep us trapped. And number four is this, is I ease the pain by getting the next fix. I believe the lie, I fall for the trap, and then I pursue it again. And this cycle happens over and over and over. And it leads us to a point that, that either we just choose to accept this is the way we are. And, and here's the ultimate goal the enemy wants to use in your life is attach the thing that's causing addiction to your identity. Well, my granddad was an alcoholic. My dad was an alcoholic. I'm an alcoholic. Let me tell you this. The truth is he that the sun sets free is free indeed. Until I start to believe, I, I understand the principle of Alcoholic Anonymous that says, you know, you come in and, and, and we all make this confession. But I, I'm going to tell you, there is an even greater confession. I am not bound by my circumstances or my past or my failures or what my mom did or my dad did or, or the environment that I was raised in. Hey, I am a new creation. I am found in Christ. My identity is not what I've been through or what I'm doing or what I've done. Today is a brand new day and I can walk in that freedom in Jesus' name. Because somebody say amen. 
Amen. I, I don't know who needs it this morning, but somebody walked in and you're bound you're bound by comparison. You're bound by, by some type of substance. You're, you're bound by approval of others. You're bound, you're bound by fear. And you need to be set free by the power of the Holy Spirit and recognize your identity is not what happened in your past. Your identity is found in what Jesus did on the cross. And that is he set us free by the power of the Holy Spirit. So let's look, continue Romans chapter seven. It says this verse 24. And I love the message paraphrase. It says this, Paul, and I relate to this so well. He says, I've tried everything and nothing helps. Have you been there before? I've I've been there. I've walked through uh, addictive and uh, things and situations in my life where I felt like, man, I just can't get control. I feel bound to this. He says, I'm at the end of my rope. Is there no one who can do anything for me? Isn't that the real question? He turns a corner, though. He says, the answer, thank God, is that Jesus Christ can and does. He acted to set things right in this life of contradictions where I want to serve God with all my heart and mind, but am pulled by the influence of sin to do something totally different. That's the tension of knowing what I'm supposed to do but still living out my fleshly desires. And here's what I love. Man put in the chapters, but this is a complete thought, this letter. And it continues on into chapter eight. And I love verses one and two powerful verses. It says this, therefore, there is now no condemnation for those who are in Christ Jesus, because through Christ Jesus, the law of the spirit who gives life has set you free from the law of sin and death. Let me, let me just remind somebody today. The, the enemy's lie in your life is to make you feel shame and make you feel guilt over what you've done and who you become and, and feeling trapped like you can never. Let me tell you today, it is not because of anything we've done. It is the grace of God that we are here this morning. And we don't have to walk in that shame. There is Paul saying this, I know what I'm supposed to do, but I don't do it. But thanks be to God, there is no condemnation. I'm I'm a sinner saved by grace. And so I'm not going to live bound by my past any longer. I I declared this year as a year of freedom of our church. And and what I want to do through this year is just share stories of freedom and, and share stories of people's lives who have been changed by the grace of God and the power of the Holy Spirit. And a couple of weeks ago, I had an opportunity to sit down with a guy who's Family's been a part of our church since we came to Wharton. Man, I was just blown away to hear what God has done in this guy's life. He's a hero, everybody. He served multiple tours in the Middle East, and uh, he has defended and protected our freedom. And, and I want to share just what God is doing through him and what God has done. So would you help me welcome Gareth Birkinshaw as he comes at this time? Come on over, Gareth. I, I just want to, man, get in your head for a little bit because God has done so much good stuff in your life. And I'm going to share a little bit about a ministry, too, that, that you founded through it. But I just want us to, to get an idea of maybe some of the things that you've walked through because I know that there were seasons of bondage in your life. Incredible seasons, yeah. To, to kind of tell us a little bit of the backstory, maybe some of the military and kind of what led to some of the things that, that just really got you bound. Sure. Honestly, it started slightly before the military, actually, when I was seven. 
my mom passed away, and in the process of, of dealing with that pain, my dad became angry at God. And uh, so he, he got away from church, and as a result, I did. But he kept me in a private school where I, I experienced religion. I didn't get anything with relationship, Wes, and, and I saw a bunch of hypocrisy, honestly. And so when my dad gave me the opportunity to get away from that environment, I ran. And I learned how to party hard, and I thought, well, if I can party hard, I can probably work hard, so I'm going to join the military. I did it at 17, and, and I became an airborne infantryman, and so I learned how to jump out of planes, chase bad guys, and, and then I got the opportunity to practice it. And uh, oh, I did three combat tours with that profession. Uh, they picked me up and said, hey, you want to be a pilot? Here you go. And they let me fly helicopters for a while, and I did that again um, in Iraq. But during the course of this we continued to party hard, and we drank, and we drank more and more, and I was really feeling the weight of the things that I had experienced, and the loss that I had gone through, and the trauma that was there as, as part of this job, and part of my life, and so I drank more and more, and uh, there came a day where I just couldn't hang and deal with it anymore, and so I ended up getting out of the military with PTSD, I had a traumatic brain injury, and as I tried to deal with this, I became an alcoholic, and I became addicted to opiates, and I got my hands on things on the street as well to try and deal with the pain that I was in. Wow, man. I, there's so much stuff there, and we could probably take an hour to, you know, or more just to share all the, the details. But what I'm thankful today is that you've experienced so much freedom in your life. And, and I know that there's probably many in this room that could relate to all those things that you've walked through. There, I know we've got quite a few even in the military. But I just want to know, Gareth, what was, what was the turning point for you, man? What, when did the, the light come on? When did the Holy Spirit fill your heart? And did you just experience freedom from some of that past stuff that you walked through? So the existence that was, was now my life, I, I couldn't stand it. I didn't want this to be who I was, but I didn't see another option. I had been doing all the medicine. I had been listening to the doctors and and uh, as a result, was an addict. Um, and so I was ready to end this life. I, I didn't want to die, but I couldn't keep living the way I was. And in that moment, I cried out to a God I didn't really want to believe in. I wasn't sure if I did anyway. And I said, God, I don't care about miracles 2,000 years ago in the Bible. I don't. Uh, I don't care about them happening for some missionary in Africa you know, or the TV evangelist. If you're real, show up right here in the middle of nowhere right now. And either every word in your Bible is true or, as far as I'm concerned, none of it is. Mm. And in that moment, my phone rang and somebody uh, shared a story. It wasn't a motivational speaker. It wasn't anything crazy. But it was words that were just dripping with hope. And they penetrated my being. And so I went to this church and I said, hey, I heard a story. Can you pray for me? And, and so these guys said, yeah, I want to pray for you. But I also want to take you on a journey and teach you about your identity, who Christ says you are. And so I began this process, but there came a moment, an and suddenly moment. And after a night of prayer, I went home and woke up. And the next day, I didn't take any medications. I didn't take any drugs. I didn't have a drink, but I didn't even realize it till halfway through the day. I'm going through the day and all of a sudden I realize, uh-oh, I better take some meds. And as I'm opening the bottles, I go, wait a minute, I'm not having withdrawals. Why am I not dope sick? Why haven't I drank anything? Why am I not craving it? Why am I happy and where's the pain that should be in my body oh my god i'm healed so wes i thought i was either completely crazy come on praise jesus god is good and alive jesus is alive i I thought maybe i was crazy and so i started to pray for people and wes 
They were getting set free. Their marriages were being restored. They were abandoning addictions and taking on identity as a child of God. That's awesome. Yeah. Hey, let me just, uh, this is so cool, Gareth. I just want you to take a second because I think there's probably people that are, have maybe walked through similar situations. Maybe, maybe there's somebody in the room that's dealing with uh, PTSD, maybe from a traumatic experience, a divorce, uh, maybe somebody walking through a past drug addiction or alcohol abuse or some type of addiction in their life. Man, what would you say 30 seconds to encourage somebody as they take a next step this morning? I know what it's like to not be able to, to stand yourself, to sit there like you're hovering over your own existence, watching yourself go through these motions and not be able to change what's happening in front of you and become angry at yourself. I know what it's like to be so hopeless that you're ready to end your own life even though you don't want to die. I know what it's like to to feel like there's more life inside of you, yet the world is telling you this is who you are and it's never going to change. But I'm standing before you today as a living testimony of Jesus Christ. And if you'd reach out and just grab onto that hope, you don't have to understand it all right now and you don't have to have it all fixed right now. But if you would go after somebody Wes has got an incredible team of leadership. And if you just say, pray for me, like, like somebody prayed for that guy, Gareth, Jesus will invade your life in such a beautiful way. Hang on to that hope because freedom is your portion. Isn't that good? Come on. Let's... That's good. It's so powerful, man. You know what I love about Gareth? He's such a soft-spoken, tender, <laughs> gentle personality. I would never want to face you on a battlefield, man. That's for sure. I, uh, you, you can sense his passion, can't you? Um, let, let me just be real about this. Is I, I've talked to him enough to recognize the passion comes from a deep place. When God, when God has radically changed your life, you can't help but be passionate. You, you, you know what you watch when Jesus heals people in the Bible? He always tells them, don't go tell anybody. What's the first thing they do? <laughs> they tell everybody. Because when God has done something so miraculous and freed you from such a dark place, it just overflows. Like, if you touch this guy, he's going to tell you about Jesus, man. Just wow. Like, it's, it's just deep within him. And one of the cool things that, that God has done in Garrett's life is he's, he's put inside him a passion to not just not just be free himself, but help other people be free. And, and he's created a, a nonprofit, a ministry called Solutions for Soldiers. And that's one of the cool things that I'm excited to share. It's awesome. And so Bay Chapel, we're going to be a part of it. And, and we're going to help. Yeah, yeah. Every, every, time I, every time I hear about another veteran taking their life because of loneliness and hopelessness, and I think of what God has done in his life and the passion that he's birthed in him, that there's an opportunity as a church to minister to men and women who are in dark seasons of their life. And what cooler way through this ministry, Solutions for Soldiers. So I'm thankful that God has not only freed you to, to declare his goodness, but given you a mission that we can jump in and be a part of. So, hey, would you one more time say thank you and praise God for Gareth.
Let me just give you three things. I love, I love stories like this. And if you'd love to connect with Gareth, I, I just encourage you to as we leave this morning. Let me give you three things before we go. Number one is this. If you're going to experience freedom, and I just want to come at this from a very spiritual angle today. Because everything is spiritual. But it starts by placing God first in every area of my life. Placing God first in every area of my life. You, you and I, we, we need to recognize something, everybody, is there is a war going on. And I'm not talking about a physical war. There, there is a war for power that goes on every single day, and it's the war for your heart. There's a, there is a war every single day. Every commercial, every product, every, every thought that I think... There is a tugging that is the tension. And there's only one person who deserves. And there's only one way to live this life to the full. Is it to make sure that Jesus sits as the Lord of your heart. Place God above everything. As a matter of fact, he, I'm going to go back to the Old Testament. Because what happens is, you see, is God sets the children of Israel free. He, he removes them from slavery and he sets them free, but he declares this. He says this in Exodus chapter 20. He says, and God spoke all these words. I am the Lord, your God, who brought you out of Egypt and out of the land of slavery. You shall have no other gods before me. It's interesting because the thing that he declares there is the very thing that the children of Israel stumble with over and over and over. As a matter of fact, you remember when, when, Moses goes to get the Ten Commandments while he's getting the law of God. The children of Israel are building a, a false God and they're doing all kinds of wickedness because there is this constant pull away from making God the Lord of my heart. And here's what has to happen every single day of our lives. There's not one day that goes by that we can't do this is making sure that we reorder our priorities reorder our heart. That's why we establish spiritual principles. I want to encourage you, if you haven't done it up to this year, make a decision over the next seven days. Man, I'm going to fast something. Because when I fast, whether it's food, social media, uh, some type of entertainment, any area of our life, when I fast, what I'm doing is, God, I'm reordering my heart. When I take five minutes to spend time in God's word and just meditate on him before I get to what's going on in the world and what's happening today and, and, and what's going on, you know, on Twitter, God, I'm reordering my heart. When I spend time in worship and prayer, God, I'm reordering. That's what we're doing this morning, guys. That's what we're doing right now. We're reordering our heart. God, I place you on the throne of my heart because everything else pales in comparison. I want you to be my focus. I want you to be first in my life. Number two is that say no to, say no to the flesh. I say no to my flesh. And I want to give you a scripture that is so foundational for for, for being free from any type of a, addictive substance or thing in our life. 2 Timothy 2.22. 2 Timothy 2.22. Paul says this to his son in the faith. Run from anything that gives you the evil thoughts that young men often have. But stay close to anything that makes you want to do right. He says, have faith and love and enjoy the companionship of those who love the Lord and have pure hearts. There's two things I think are so powerful about this passage. Number one, first word, run. Don't walk. Don't think about it. 
Don't, don't say, yeah, God, you know, I, I'm going to start eating healthy, but leave all the junk food in the cupboard or the pantry. I'm just going to test my willpower. No, no, no. Come on, man. We all know better than that. You're talking to Wes here. This is like the chief of sinners with food. All right. I, and, and, and I think sometimes we, we just, we, we test ourselves, man, run. If God sets you free from, from alcohol addiction, find a new way home from work in the afternoon. All right. Run, run from addiction, run from everything that's holding you back. If staying up late is causing issues and you're looking at stuff you, you shouldn't look at, man, set a priority and a principle that after 8 p.m. I'm not on my phone anymore. I'm just establishing because I want to make sure that there's nothing that's going to keep me from everything that God has for. Do you believe it this morning? Everybody with me? Run from anything that causes you to stumble. And then he says this, stay close to the things that are right and enjoy the companionship of those who love the Lord and have pure hearts. What does he say? Be accountable to somebody. Be accountable to somebody. I just want to encourage you. Whether it's addiction, whether it's relationship issues, I want to challenge you. Find a counselor. As a matter of fact, if you're having issues or struggles, because I talked to two people this week that I encourage them. Man, we, I know a Christian psychiatrist that I would highly recommend. If you're dealing with depression and anxiety, I would highly recommend. And as a matter of fact, there's a Christian counseling office in Wesley Chapel. Go. 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 Let me tell you, when we were walking through some of the most difficult seasons of our marriage, one of the best things God did is reveal to us a counselor that helped change. We went in there, we got Jen fixed, and everything is so much better. Listen, what are y'all laughing at? Yeah, you know better, don't you? <laughs> but find companionship. In a couple of weeks, we launch groups, get in a group. Serve on a team. You say, man, this is just to help make church happen. No, this is so you can do relationship with people and share your wounds and struggles and grow and get better and say no to the things that are destroying your life and be set free in Jesus' name. Find companionship. And number three, find strength in God's power. Find strength in God's power. Or in other words, don't do this alone anymore. Don't do this alone anymore. Paul says this in First. Corinthians chapter 15. He says, today I am who I am, not because of what I've done, but because of God's grace. And I've made sure that the grace he offered me has not been wasted. He says, I worked harder, longer, and smarter than all the rest. But I realize it's not me. Somebody in the room this morning, you've been trying to do it on your own too long. And the weight of the addiction, the weight of the struggle, the weight of the circumstance in your life is greater than you can bear. And you with the Apostle Paul need to say, you know what? I I can't do it anymore. It's not about me. He says, I've worked hard, but I realize it's not me. It is God's grace with me that has made the difference. I I just want to talk to somebody this morning who feels hopeless. I I want to talk to somebody who's caught in a cycle that feels unending. Maybe Maybe it's 20 years, 10 years. Maybe it's just a habit that you picked up in the last few weeks or months. And yeah, you found a way to justify it. 
But ultimately, you know, if you're being honest, it's pleasure that leads to pain. And it's keeping God from being the Lord of your life and on the throne of your heart. I believe this with all my heart. When I am weak, he is strong. When I am weak, he is strong. I may have failed, but I'm not a failure in Jesus' name. My life is not my own. My identity is found in Christ Jesus. I am crucified with Christ. It is no longer I who lives, but Christ who lives in me. I'm an overcomer by the blood of the lamb and the power of the Holy Spirit, the word of my testimony. I will have hope and I do have hope because the power of the Holy Spirit lives in me. I will walk in victory and I will be free in Jesus name. If you believe it, somebody say amen. Amen. Would you just bow your heads this morning as we close today?